So it's good to be back. I missed it three three Sundays. I was missing. I can't believe I was missing for three Sundays. It's crazy. It feels like. Um, I remember. I could tell you now. I think it's thirty years this year since I gave my life to the Lord. And I would say, without being like out of the country or something like that, I've probably only ever missed church about four or five times in that in that time. Um, and this is not a, a thing about where you should go to church. But I have always found going on a Sunday and connecting with other people encouraged me. Sometimes it really got up my nose and I wanted to kill people. But uh, most times I left and I felt better because of it. And any Sunday, I always remember, especially in St. Mark's, any Sunday we didn't go, something great seemed to happen. You always seemed to miss the good Sunday. Like there was a concert one week and there was something else another week. Um, but here's the thing. Every time you gather with God's people, there's the potential for God's work of miracle. You can gather with God in your own at home, and you should, and you do, I'm sure, and that's amazing, but there is something special about when his people come together that really makes a difference, do you know? Um, so I have missed that. I genuinely have missed that. I was in church in Carbondale, um, and it was lovely, and there was hundreds of them there, but it wasn't the same as being at home, being honest with you. It was warm. That's the only thing I will say, but it was warm. Um, but it wasn't the same as being here. So, anyways, we're on Vision Day today, and I want to talk a bit about where we've come from, where we are, where we're going, where we believe God is bringing us, why we're here, why we exist at all, why we bother doing this at all. Um, and I realized this week in particular, I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks, even when I was away, but this week in particular, I realized that... Um, I haven't actually done this enough. In Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And it's not talking, I don't believe about that we will physically die because there isn't a vision. But I do believe that if we don't have some kind of a vision for our life, that our heart dies, our energy dies, our attitude dies, our spirit and as a group of people if we don't have a vision for where we're going and what we're doing then the energy in this place dies you just couldn't be bothered so why would I like it's just like it's a drudgery it's doing this and this and this we do this because there's a vision and the vision is way beyond what's happening inside these four walls it's much bigger and Habakkuk 2 2 it says write it down and make a plan. And he's talking about writing down the vision. He says, write it down and make a plan. And they had to write it on tablets. I'm not giving you all iPhones and iTablets, but we're going to write it on paper if we have to. But here's the thing. So he may run who reads it. And here's the bit. If you catch the vision, you will run with the vision. But if you don't catch the vision, you are always going to be either straggling behind or wondering what the hell everyone else is doing, or why. The amount of times I have had this conversation with people and they'd go, why are you doing that? Why do you, like, are you not wrecked? Are you not this? Are you not that? Are you not? Yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, why do we do it? There's plenty of times it would be much more comfortable to just sit at home and watch telly. It would be much more comfortable to do lots of things. But somehow, somewhere, I caught a vision of what God can do in people's life. And I have a vision for what God can do in the lives of people all around here. I don't believe we're the only people in Crumlin that's supposed to get saved. I don't believe we're the only people in this area who are supposed to go to heaven. I believe there's hundreds of thousands of people in this city and there's 20,000 people all around us who are supposed to go to heaven too. And I have a vision that someday, somehow, God is going to rescue them. He's going to bring them to heaven and somehow he's going to use us to be part of that. That we're a little piece in that jigsaw and because I have that vision, I have the energy to get out of bed in the mornings. Because I have that vision, I have the energy to give up evenings. Because I have that vision, I have the energy to run with it. Does that make sense? So it's not about, if you catch the vision, you will get the energy. I know people who are absolutely knackered, and then they start planning a wedding, and suddenly they can't sleep at night because they're so full of energy and coming up with ideas to things. They're the same when it's coming to Christmas. They've no money, they've no this, they've no that, but they love Christmas and they want to do it. And they've all this energy to get something done because they have a vision. They have a picture in their heart of what could be. And if you can get that picture from today of what could be, 
I really believe this might energize you to get more involved, to get behind what we're trying to do. And I'm pray- that's my prayer for today. My prayer for today is you put loads of money in the offering later on for St. Mary's. But my prayer more than that is that your heart gets on fire. That something in this, what we do today, and it's not only me going to be talking, it's the few others getting up here in a minute going to talk, but something about what we say today actually gives you that kick to get you out of that place where you are and go, this is worth getting involved in. This is worth giving more to. This is worth giving up a bit of comfort for. This is worth giving. It's worth being part of. God's vision for Crumlin and for the Hope Centre, um, I believe, is that Crumlin can be saved, transformed, set free, healed, and released into the destiny. And when I say Crumlin, I am talking about just this specific area. In Dublin, 12, there's 80,000 people. I'll talk about that in a minute. In here, there's 20. But that's 20,000 lives. They're not numbers. They're individuals. They're people in our families. They're people who are our neighbors. There's faces on them. If you think about where you live, there's people live next door to you. Just for two seconds, close your eyes and imagine their faces. They're the people. They're, they're the ones that God is after. They're real people. They're not just numbers. They're real people. And God has a vision for them. And he has a vision for our lives. And he has a vision for your life. And, and this is what I believe his vision for our lives is. And when people get introduced to Jesus and when we're involved in introducing them to Jesus, this is the four steps that I think God wants to bring people through. Every single one of us, not just me, not just Anne, not just the leadership team, but anybody who comes into a relationship with Jesus and anyone that we are responsible for who comes into a relationship through us, this is the steps of the process I believe he wants them to do. And the first one is that they come into a vibrant and a real relationship with him. And it's not just in their head. It's not just, oh, yeah, I know about God. Because I grew up for years knowing about God, but I didn't want anything to do with him. But that they actually get to know God. That they actually get to have a real, living relationship with God. Just like some of us in here have. Not everybody has, but some of us have. If you have, it doesn't matter how long you've known him, how deep your relationship, how amazing it is, there's more. It can be bigger. It can be more exciting. It can be deeper. It can be more challenging. It can be more scary. But scary and exciting go together. There's a lot of people that are really scared about getting over here to talk in a few minutes, but tomorrow they'll be thinking it was exciting. That's the reality of it. Um, but God has an opportunity for every single one of us, not to just know about him up here, but to know him down here. And the second thing is he wants us to find freedom. He wants us to find freedom, real freedom. To do that, we need to be willing to deal with our past. We need to be willing to deal with our addictions, our hurts, our wounds, our hang-ups, and our whatever else, your regrets, whatever it is that is holding on to you and stopping you, stepping into the future that God has for you. It's rooted in the past. It's whatever you were brought up in, whatever way you went on in the past, whatever was done to you or you did, all of that stuff just stops us when we let it find in real freedom. And the Holy Spirit wants to walk in and with every single one of us to set us free from that. His, Jesus said he came to set us free and free indeed. Not to give us a half measure job. Not to leave you. Yeah, you're great. You'll you be a Christian, but just don't let anything set you free. Just hold on to that hurt from the past. Hold on to that regret that you've got. Hold on to all the stuff that's pulling you back and pulling you back and pulling you back. God has a life for you and it's the best life. Every single one of us has a past. There's none of us haven't. But I want to promise you, and I tell you this from my own life, the more I have allowed God to deal with me past, the bigger he has made my future. They are directly related. The more of my past I held on to, the more lies, the more stuff I held on to from my past, the more my future was diminished and broken. But the more I let him deal with it, and it was scary letting him deal with it, he did and he set me free in so many ways that I didn't even know I was tied up in it's amazing the third thing is he wants us to discover what purpose we have in this life and what that looks like is that you realize what your role is and what God is doing in this world whether that's in hope or in your job or in your family or in your community if you don't live in Crumlin but you realize what your role is 
Now, to realize what your role is, you have to step into it and you have to look for it and you have to actually understand that you do have a role. I'm going to talk in a few minutes about the body. The body is made up of many parts. It's not just one kind of part. There's loads of different parts. Everybody in this room, from the kids to the oldest adult in the room, excuse me, has a part to play in what God is doing. There is a drama unfolding all around us. There is a world all around us. And we all have a part to play in that, every single one of us. Um, <coughs> sorry. Here's the scary thing, and I looked this up during the week. There are studies been done on people who have lived their life as Christians. Nine out of ten of them never get to the place where they actually discover their purpose. That is sad. They get to the place where they, they meet Jesus, they give their life to Jesus, they have their like get out hell card and go to heaven now, and then they sit on it. And they never discover the purpose God has for them and the adventure that God wants to bring them on. Nine out of ten. Let's not be that. Why can't we be 10 out of 10 that we do discover and that we go on and live lives that are amazing because that's what he wants you to do. There is a role for you to play. You need to play it. You need to play it. Because if you don't, someday you will stand before Jesus and he won't be judged for it, but you'll have regrets that you didn't. And then the last one is he wants you to make a difference. Because I believe if we like, have a vibrant relationship with him, if we are getting freedom from our past, if we've discovered what our purpose is, then we're going to make a difference in the world. We may not all become Mother Teresa or Nelson Mandela or someone else who changes the whole world, but we will make a difference in the world. We will make a difference. And God wants us living our lives in such a way that that makes a difference. And I believe if we all as individuals walk through them steps and get to that place, then as a church, because God's vision for the Hope Center is to share his love with Crumlin, right? But he will use us to do that. He will use us to do that. Because that's, that's it. The Hope Center isn't an institution. It's not a name on a placard. It's not a sign on the side of the bus. It's us. It's not me, Anne, and the leadership team. It's us. We're either all in this together or we're not. If you call Hope Center home, this is God's vision for you. Share his love with Crumlin. He has power to change things. And everything that we do and everything that is done through here will dovetail with our lives changing. So the more I'm willing to surrender my life to Jesus, the more I will get freedom. The more freedom I get, the more purpose I'll get. The more difference we will make. We pray, we welcome, we worship, we do kids, we do food clothes. We do all of that on purpose. We do it all of it with a reason. And we do all of it to expand God's kingdom. And expanding God's kingdom is about bringing people into it. It's not about expanding influence. It's not about expanding power. It's about expanding it by adding to it. By introducing other people to Jesus just like you were introduced to Jesus. Or maybe in a more effective way. But it's about introducing people to Jesus and getting them out of darkness. And someday I believe we will get to meet people. Someday we're going to walk down the streets of heaven. And someone's going to come up to you and go, thank you. Because you prayed, because you welcomed, because you did whatever, I got to meet Jesus. And because I got to meet Jesus, I'm here. Because I know the people I'm going to say that to when I'm up there. Because there were people prayed for us. There were people introduced us to Jesus. And I know, and this sounds very un-Irish, and I'm not trying to brag, but I know that there are people going to go to heaven because of some of the stuff we've done. And there's people going to go to heaven because we prayed for them. And there's people going to go to heaven because God used us and we let him. And he'll do the same for you. But it is up to us to step into that. And here's how we do what I gave you all a picture of this. It's the wheel. It's very hard to see on the screen. But when we were setting up this, and we wanted to know how are we going to do this, we didn't just want it to be a Sunday morning, let's all just go to church and have a holy huddle. 
We always wanted to do stuff during the week that would connect with people. Not necessarily go out and beat them over the back of the head with a Bible, but in somehow or other connect with them where they really had needs. And, and on that way, you see, the center of it is Jesus. And without Jesus, none of this works. The church is us. The arms going out, some of them have changed. Some of them are the same. The community service center, we did this before we ever had a building like this, before we ever knew we'd even have a building. And the community is crumbling. So here's the thing. We just want to meet with the people of crumbling in any shape, form, and how that we can. A huge part of that is what we do here on a Sunday. A huge part of that is what we do on a Sunday morning. A huge part of it also is what we do all week long. So here's what I'm going to do. We have, when it comes to a Sunday, and also during the week, this doesn't only happen on a Sunday, but there's certain different parts of what we do that, that I have asked people who are responsible for those parts to come up and share with you. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about welcome. We're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk about kids and youth, and we're going to talk about food, cloud, and passionately. Um, and different people are going to come and do that. And, and some of them are really excited and dying to get up here. And some of them are sitting down there going, oh, please, Jesus, let this pass. But it's not going to happen. They're going to come up and talk. So the first people up are going to be John and Mary, and they're going to talk about prayer. So let them give them a welcome. <coughs> you can see by how fast they're walking up here. They're really excited. Yeah, yeah. So, and if they're shaking, it's because they're cold, not because they're nervous. Good morning. Okay. Prayer. Yeah. Prayer is so important to us. It's something that we get from God, and it's free. It doesn't cost us anything, except the time that we pray when we're praying with people or praying for ourselves. And it's so important that we do pray, each and every single one of us. It says in James 5, Are any of you suffering hardships? We should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. So as we can get our healings from the Lord. The healing doesn't come from us. Everything comes from God. The answers to our prayers comes from God. And for Crumbling, our aim is for to reach the people in Crumbling. Um, as we reach out to them, that Jesus will reveal himself to the people in the homes, in the schools, the hospitals, the centers, shops, offices. As prayer ministry, we spread the, the word of God and the love Jesus has for each and every one of us. Jesus died for each one of us and he is available to us anytime, anywhere. Amen. Amen. Also, this ministry was built on a foundation of prayer because Brian and Anne were praying for people to come in and we took the bug. In 2 Chronicles, it says in the Old Testament that God is speaking to us. But God was speaking to Solomon and it says that one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I've heard your prayers. And then he told him that if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. Then in the New Testament, then, we have Jesus telling us about praying. And in John 7, 17, verse 20, Jesus prayed for his disciples and he prayed for all who would come to believe in him after them. And in, Paul tells us then in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, he says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. 
and then you will experience God's peace. It will guard your heart and your mind. Amen. That's what we hope that we convey, that it's from God. It's God. Amen. Amen. There was a lot of prayer went into them getting up here. I can tell you. Thank you, Mary and John. And they head up the prayer ministry here, okay? So it's not just what happens here on the Sunday that if you're coming up the front looking for prayer. During the week, when we have prayer requests coming in and stuff like that, they're the people who take on the mantle, and they pray for that. So, so just, when you think of them during the week, pray for them. You know, it's not only about them praying for everyone else. You have just as much access to God as they have. None of us have anything special. Um, and I just want to say, when, when it comes to prayer, um, I prayed for 12 years, from 1997 to 2009, before we ever left St. Mark's Land Hope, for a church to happen in Crumlin. When we left, we prayed for 18 months. Every week we had a prayer meeting in our house before we ever had a public service. We've prayed over every chair that you're sitting in. That God would put people in them chairs and that God would bless people in them chairs. Before we ever even knew you existed, because we didn't know you. And there's people in this room we did not know this time last year. But before we ever knew you, we prayed over the chairs you're sitting on, that you would sit in those chairs and God would bless you. We prayed for walkers, because the scripture tells us to pray for walkers because the harvest is plentiful, but the walkers are few. There is lots of people in this area who need Jesus, but we need walkers to go and do that. And we have seen God send walkers, but we need more. We need more. God answers prayer. Um, the next part we want to talk about is the welcome and what happens when we do welcome here on a Sunday. And Gail is going to come up and share about that. And she is just as happy about coming up as John and Mary was. Morning. I need two things because I have the Bible on my phone. Um, so basically, why do we need welcome? when this is the land of 100,000 welcomes, where Irish really know how to welcome people. Um, Siri can't find it on the web. <laughs> Thanks, Siri. Um, but the reason we need welcome is because Jesus told us that we needed welcome. He told us to welcome people. Um, and that's the bit that I needed Siri not to be talking to me at. So in Matthew 25:35, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. So basically, Jesus is telling us that it is our God-given duty to invite strangers in. And when they come in, we have to make them welcome. Because otherwise, what's the point? They won't come back. So that is the whole purpose of why we why we operate the way that we do. Um, Hope, the Hope Center, is one of the most welcoming people, welcoming places that I've ever been. Um, We came here because the welcome was so amazing when we arrived. Um, And it's very hard then not to want to give that to everybody else. Um, In Acts 2, 42, um, technology... Uh, it says that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles, teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Um, so the whole point of us being here is that when we come, the welcome is where we fellowship. It's basically <coughs> fellowship on steroids, that when you come through the door, you're welcomed. You're made to feel like this is Jesus that you're meeting. It's not just a person standing there shouting hello at you or throwing a cup of tea at you or that you're actually meeting Jesus in the person of the person standing there. Uh, the welcome team itself that we have, that's intentional welcome. The people on the welcome team when they come to serve on a Sunday morning, they come early, they pray for every single person that's going to come through that door. They pray that they will be able to provide the welcome and the warmth and the embodiment of Jesus as people walk through the door. And that's what we want um, for people to be doing. Because when people are relaxed and they know that they are welcome in a place, they 
they're open to do what Jesus is going to do in their lives. They're open and they're open to listening to what is being said from the front and the Holy Spirit is whispering in their hearts. They're not worried about sitting there going, I'm being judged or people are looking at me or there's none of that kind of thing because they feel like they're in a safe place. Um, so my vision for hope is that uh, the entire Hope family, so not everybody is on the welcome team and comes early and stands at the door and says hello, but that everybody in the Hope family would have the ethos of welcome. So when you see someone sitting alone or maybe isolated, that you would maybe feel like you can go and welcome that person um, and interact with them. Um, just to make them feel like this is where they belong and that they should definitely come back. Um, and then when we throw in tea, coffee and cake, that's an added bonus. <laughs> Cheers, Cora. That's it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Cora. We've um, a huge amount of people that we've talked to over, over the number of years that we've been doing this. And nearly every one of them, whoever came here just for the first time, who hadn't been in other churches, and some who had even, every single one of them commented on the fact that how welcome they were made to feel. Even when we used to do up in the hall on a Saturday night, there was always people at the door going, you're welcome, come in. Shut the door behind you, but come in. Yeah, because it was cold up there too. But, but it, was, it was always about making people welcome. And that's true, isn't it? The Irish thing is about we're supposed to be the land of 100,000 welcomes. So let's welcome people. Um, and the, the good thing about that is if there's a really good welcome going on here when you invite your friends you're not going to be embarrassed about what's happening you're going to know they're going to be welcomed yeah okay so worship is the next bit we're going to talk about and Cathy's going to go and talk about that for a few minutes <laughs> yeah you're alright <laughs> so hey it's nice to see you all again so I know everybody knows me here except for just Jerry that I just met this morning coming in. So hi, Larry. See, I got that wrong. Well done. You're very welcome. (laughs) Sorry, Larry. (laughs) Anyway, I think I know everybody else. Um, So, yeah, so I suppose just to say that I've been part of the church since the beginning and that it's been such an amazing and incredible journey um, so far. And I'm really excited about what's going to happen in the future and what God is going to do in Hope in 2020. Um, I suppose also just to say that I'm part of the leadership team here in Hope and I get the privilege um, to lead the worship team over the past year and it has been an absolute privilege and the people that are on team and who have been on team are just amazing, absolutely amazing. So I'm blessed to be able to worship God with them. Sorry, three minutes on Um, Okay, so what is worship? Worship to me is a response to God's love for us. We respond with our lives, with our giving, and with our serving in many ways. But we also also respond with praises. See, something powerful happens when we worship our hands lifted high and singing at the top of our lungs, passionately and believing that God's presence is going to change things. In my life, through worship, God has healed me from many, many, many things, Brokenness, pain, sickness, self-worth, low self-esteem. I could go on and on and on and on. Um, But I've seen God use me in ways that I could never have imagined. And I know that he can use you too in ways that you'd never have imagined. Ever since we started a church, worship has always been at the center. And we want to continue this in the future, wherever we meet. Um, we want to lift up the name of Jesus in song and praise. And it says in Matthew eighteen twenty, he tells us wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he is with us. We want to be a church that's focused on Jesus. Sorry, these are my notes because I'm not good at talking off my head. Um, we believe in creating an environment to help people experience Jesus and vi- find the hope and the healing that many of us have found in him. So worship points us to Jesus and makes a way for us to encounter him. And an encounter with Jesus can absolutely change everything. So for me, going into 2020, I would love it to be a year where we'd be refreshed by his presence through worship. And for those of you who have not yet experienced his presence and love, we want to create a more life-giving, passionate worship environment. So today I'd love for you all to get excited with me. Um, 
And yeah, just as Paul's get excited with me and together let's believe that we can achieve this going forward. Amen. So okay. thank you. Okay. Um again worship when we when we became Christians first and we used to go to church, we would go home, we'd remember songs. I wouldn't remember anything Gary was talking about most weeks. But I'd remember a song. Stick in your head and as you were going through worship has a way of getting down past what's going on up here and straight into our hearts. Um, so it's an amazing thing to have, and it's, it's a really, really um, powerful way of moving forward with, with God when you even do it at home on your own. Next person up is Jordan, going to talk about kids and youth. I like that slide. I might hold on to that one. Mm-hmm. Hi, uh, The rest of them were all terrified getting up here, but this is after a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I, this is okay. <laughs> Um, <coughs> Brian actually rang me last night and he was like, are you sure you'll get this done in three minutes? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's me fear. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm lucky enough to be the new uh, kids and youth leader. It's deadly. Um, kids and youth are the future. And as cliche as that is, it's the truth. Um, there's 20,000 people in Crumlin. Roughly 5,000 of those fall under the age bracket that has been encompassed in uh, kids and youth, so that's 5 to 18. That is 5,000 people that we have the opportunity to reach. There's maybe 15 kids and youth in Hope at the minute, so that means we have about 4,975 <laughs> left to go. Um, <coughs> I am a product of growing up in church, and I was blessed to be a part of kids, ministries, and youth groups growing up. Um, and that's why I'm standing here and that's why I'm lucky enough to get to, to still be a part of church. And I think that that is kind of my, my vision for, for hope kids and youth going forward. There's a whole little army of me's um, that are stepping out and realizing their potential in God. Uh, I found youth to be a place that I felt at home, a place that I felt loved and safe. And whenever it felt like the world was caving in around me, as it does about once a week when you're a teenager, youth was where I ran to. And I want 2020 to be the year where the teenagers of Crumlin run to God and get to know God. Um, and like this has been a crazy year for us. You know, We don't know where we're going to be. We might be here, we might be in St. Mary's. We don't know exactly what God's plan is. But I know that my heart for hope and my heart for hope and my heart for the kids and youth ministry and hope's heart for the kids and youth ministry is that the love will be there regardless. <coughs> the love and the safety and that place to call home will be there regardless. We're just looking for where that home is going to be. Amen. And he did it in three minutes. Yeah. Scripture says that there will be pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and apostles. There's also going to be doctors, politicians, builders, dentists. I was going to say two types, dentists, um, whatever you can think of. But they're all in our kids, and they're all in the kids around this place. Do you know what I mean? With the 15 or 20 kids in here, if we follow Scripture, some of them are going to be apostles, evangelists, prophets, worship leaders, whatever. It's in them. But we just need to make a space where they can, they can actually grow up into that. Just on an, an, an aside, we also have two kids' clubs that happen here every week with the YMCA on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. They are just as much a part of hope, but they don't turn up here on a Sunday. That happens too, so just to know. So the last person up now is my wonderful wife, Anne, who's going to talk about food tales and Pashi. I'm sorry, can I just say on, um, on the back of what Jordan said, um, he's going to start up a youth club on a Friday night as well here in two, two, 2020. And there'll be pizzas and stuff. You know, there's a few of us going to help with that food part, but he's going to actually start the youth club, which is absolutely going to be amazing. Um, so, and also, I'm absolutely blessed to see him up here because Jordan when was in my Sunday school class when he was only three. And, and, and to see him now, like the young man that he is, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Um, so honour you for that, Jordan. You're, and he, now you're just a treasure. Um, so my, my part um, to talk about today is the food cloud. And that's just uh, 
happens here every Friday morning and it's 7 to 10 families um, come here for food every week and people often said to me like how do you know like they actually need it and I'm like like you wouldn't come unless you actually needed it so um, uh, yeah so we buy really really good food from um, a, a place called Food Cloud at a really really cheap price but it's really good quality food and so everybody leaves here um, with about three or four bags every week I'm sorry I better look at the notes because I forget something um, what my glasses on so it, the food class is an amazing opportunity to meet real physical needs of families in Crumlin and Jesus fed the people um, when they were hungry so we follow his example we get to meet and talk with people who would never meet or we, we would never meet or talk to in Crumlin by coming here for food and we maintain dignity and privacy there's no cues there's no gossip and there's no judgment I think that's one of the biggest things for me um, they come in at different times we give a different time and so some stay for a cup of tea so and so we give them tea and coffee and cake and and so then we go into a private room and they on their way out and they they go whatever they have and um, whatever's in the bags but it's really private and just know like it's it's just happens naturally which is really nice that's the part i love um we provide um food for the families and uh, um, oh yeah so we, how we fund that is um we get a check every month from some church in America, which is really brilliant. It's a really good help. So there's no financial like God has done all that. He he worked it out how we're gonna how we provide for it. So that's really been brilliant. Um and uh yeah so we see so the reason really why we do it is to see people saved and going to heaven. I'd be always laughing at Brian. Um, you know, that that God will use us to populate heaven. But like honestly we can do that in all our different ways. And this morning I was thinking, I have loads of signs around my house, all words, because I do believe that words that we talk to ourselves, that we speak over our lives, is huge. And so, um, this one I read every morning, bloom where you're planted. And that one is, that means to me, um, when we got saved 22 years ago, in Saint, we, we were 22 years in St. Mark's, um, and we decided to plant ourselves there um, by getting, and that meant we got involved in so many different things. Whatever we, there was a need, we helped. Even though we weren't from that area, God planted us in there. Like he's planted us here now, each one of us here, for such a time as this, for to do whatever reason we to do. Um, if that's smiling at someone coming in the door on a Sunday morning, that's it but if you plant yourself you will flourish and um, that's his promise as he says um, so I do I hope and pray that all of us will get planted here and you know so even in getting planted in St. Mark's um, it, it's it's a great thing to do that you, you feel you belong somewhere and you grow so when you plant yourself you grow um, even though sometimes, you know, as we were as we were grown, God is saying, "Do you want to deal with that? Do you want to deal with that?" You know, and you you say, mm, "Yeah, no, okay, I will, okay." But as you deal with it, you you grow more in Him, grow more in your relationship with Him. So I think if you plant yourself somewhere, no matter where that is, even if you don't, if it's not for hope, but if it is, plant yourself. That means get involved, get do studies, do whatever, get to know God more. Um, there is more, there's always more in God, as Brian said. Um, nobody ever arrives there until we get to heaven. So go for it, lads. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, okay, so the food cloud. So feel the hungry, building relationships, loving unconditionally. That's what that's about as well.
It's just loving people unconditionally and not having any kind of judgment on them. And then the last bit, the last slide's going to come up there around that is it's around passion and what we do in Belarus. Um, and that involves everybody. I can involve everybody. Maybe you can't go there, but you can help us do shoeboxes, or maybe you can do shoeboxes. But what that's about is just getting our focus off ourselves. It's not just about here. It's not even just about crumbling. It's about there's a whole big world out there that needs help. And God put us in a position where we could actually do something about it. You might be able to change the whole world, but maybe you could change the life of one old people, old person's life. So that's, that's about that as well. And it builds the church. And the, I've never met anyone who's gone to Belarus who hasn't come back with a different relationship with God. Never. And I've heard loads of people here, even I heard Cathy even say it, that when she went to change toward relationship with God, it's changed and relationship with God, changed my relationship with God, changed loads of people that I know. So really quickly, because time is running out, and there's some values that we have and hope are about being real, having freedom, adventure, more, and purpose and intentionality. And that's about, like, the real is about having a real relationship with God and real relationships with other people. And real relationships with other people freak the crap out of them. I'm going to tell you that now. And they leave because of it. Because they don't want to deal with real. They'd rather be in the drama and they'd rather be in all kinds of stuff. But reality sets people free. Amen. Reality sets you free. And a real relationship with God will bring you into real relationships with people. And if you're not having real relationships with people, you need to go back to God and go, how can I? Because that's where God does life. He does it in community. And he changes our lives in community. His word says it is not good for man to be alone. That includes women. It's not good for you to be alone. Freedom is about having real freedom. Life is supposed to be an adventure, and we're supposed to be living on purpose and with intentionality. Some really quick stats. There's 80,000 people in Dublin 12. There's 20,000 in Crumlin. There are 60 streets in Crumlin. And our vision is to have one home on each street with a Christian family in it that will lift that street up and become the lighthouse on that street. That's 60 families. If we got 1% of the people in Crumlin saved, that's 200 people. 1%. 200 people. The national average of evangelical born-again people in, in Ireland is less than 3 or 4%. Okay? If we had just 1%, we'd have 200 people. If we had 200 people, we would easily have one family on each street. And if that one family prayed for their street, they may never see somebody come to the Lord, but their prayers will not go unanswered. It might be someone else who will come along and share with them, and they'll come to Jesus, or they'll get an opportunity to do that. But prayer is the foundation, and if we push in on that, it can really make a huge difference. But having that one person is huge. A couple of other facts. There are no staff in Hope. Nobody gets paid here. Everyone is volunteers. I'm a volunteer. But there's nobody gets paid here. Everyone is a volunteer. And everything we do, we don't get any money off the government. We don't get any money off anything else. Anything that's been funded here is funded by the people in the place or through other people who help us. We're a proper charity. We have all of that there. It's online. If you want to check us out in the charity register, our accounts are up there. Everything is there. So it's all above board. And we, we I can't remember the words now, but we're, affiliate, we're, we're, we're doing things in, in, in accordance to what we're supposed to do anyway. Um, <coughs> Our, our, our challenge ahead is to represent God to Crumlin. And to do that, I believe we need to be the body of Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27, and I'm not going to read all of this now, but it talks about us being one body. And one body means that we don't have division, that we are one body. And the devil will use division to destroy what God's trying to do. It says, as it is, there are many parts but one body. And now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it and that means each one of us has a role in it each one of us has a part to do we need to overcome the division and the offense and the hurt and the selfishness that pulls us apart and we need to develop understanding I think it was Francis of Assisi said that we need to learn to understand rather than wanting to be understood we need to learn how to put other people first and that's part of that life that God, because when we come to God and we come with all our past and our hurts and all our hang-ups and all the rest of it, that's when we want it all for us. But when we get past that and we actually realize life is about service and life is about giving and life is about loving other people, we get more out of it than we ever got just looking for to get what we want. And if we can learn to understand and we can learn to have generosity of spirit and of resources and of our time and of our money and everything else, then we will see an amazing victory ahead. The potential that we have is to see Crumlin saved. Psalm 2, 8 says this, Ask and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. 
Ask and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. In the King James it says, this is a real old word, but it says, ask and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance. The heathen sounds like an awful name thing to be calling people, isn't it? A heathen yet. Right? We used to say that and it wasn't a compliment. But here's the thing. The heathen are just people who don't know Jesus. They're just people who don't know Jesus. The people all around us don't know Jesus. But if we ask, he'll give them to us as an inheritance. He will do it. Okay? Um, I'm going to skip the next couple of bits and just go on to the, the, the slide that says your part. Here's the bit. You who call hope home. Here's where you get the chance. What you need to do is pray, share, save, and give. Pray, save, and give. Pray what God has for you, what he's put in you, what you can get involved in. Save wherever there's an opportunity to save. And that's not necessarily on a Sunday morning. It's seven days in a week. Find somewhere to save. If you have an idea to do something, go and do it. Stop waiting to be asked. Just get involved and give. We're going to take up an offering. I'm going to pass around the box. We don't take up offerings. This is the third one we've done in Hope. We done one last year for A21. A couple of years ago, we done one for another charity. And for the life of me, I can't remember which one it was. But this is only the third time we've ever done this. There's an offering box down there. We remind you about it. I'll tell a real quick story. When we were only praying for Hope, we hadn't even started doing services. I was looking at buildings all over Crumlin where we could have church. And I was on Clannard Road one day and I looked at this building and the rent was €3,000 a month. And I remember talking to a girl afterwards, Margaret Martin, she said to me, God, you've got great faith. And up until then, I was in this oblivious place that there wouldn't be any bother no matter how much the rent was. But she said something to me and it caused a thing to go off in my head and go, am I mad? Like, that's ridiculous. Where are we going to get three grand? We don't even have a, a congregation. And that was on a Saturday. By the next Friday, I had, th- no, Saturday morning, sorry. By the next Saturday lunchtime, we had 3,000 euro. That did not fall out of the sky. A man who ran a rehab rang me on the Monday and said, the Lord put you on my heart. I'm going to send you a check for 1,000 euro. On the Tuesday, a lady contacted me with 1,000 euro. Okay, and on the Saturday morning, a guy turned up at our house with a big tin that he had been saving money in with 970-something euro in it. Okay, so when we say God provides, do you know how he provides? Through people. We pay for food cloud because American people in some church in Pennsylvania put money in their offering every week, and they, out of that, give away to missions, and they consider us missions and mission partners. So we buy people food in Crumlin with money that somebody earned in their job and gave out of and put into an offering basket in their church. God provides through his people. Okay, we are his people. We are not taking up an offering today to go to hope. We're taking up an offering today to go through hope into the people of Crumlin. Because what we want to do is create a space for them to come and meet Jesus. Does that make sense? So there's going to be music on a slide. I'm going to pray, and Destiny is going to walk around with this box. And as he gets to your table, he's going to close his eyes, because this is not about embarrassing anybody. Okay? Actually, you can just pass it around, maybe. That would be easier. Um, whatever you have, I said this in a message during the week, God loves a cheerful giver. Each one of us should decide what we were going to give. We've talked about this for weeks. This is not a surprise. This is not a sneaking up on you. But whatever you have decided to give, and if that's what you've decided not to give, that's okay. But whatever you have decided to give, may the Lord bless you for it. May he reward you for it. May he take the seeds that we are planting into this today. And may he multiply it to be enough for what we need to do. We are looking at a potential bill of 200,000 euro for to do up St. Mary's. Can I tell you, a good week in an offering box down there is 100 quid. Something needs to change if we're going to make this happen. We need to realize that for a vision to come to pass, it needs people to get behind it. And it's people to be willing to give sacrificially. 
Kim Messingale gave us a prophecy here on the 29th of September. And she gave me and Anne a very specific word saying, don't give up. And she gave the church a very specific word. Because she said, if you call hope home, God has put something in you to give. And not just you wasn't talking about money. And she said, we will not see the harvest come into hope until the people of hope step up to be what they're going to be. Because we can't do this on our own. And us and four people on the leadership team can't do this. We either do this as a body or we don't. God has put stuff in your heart. He has given you skills and talents and training and information. And now is the time. 2020 can be our year. It can be the year that we see the miracles of God and we see this place thronged with people loving Jesus. But it will not happen without the people of Jesus stepping up. So Lord, the vision is as plain as I can make it. I pray that you will put it in our hearts to run. I pray that you will give people in this room freedom from their past, from their hearts, hang-ups, addictions, or anything else that's stopping them. I pray that you will give them a sense of purpose, and I pray that you will release them into their destiny. And Lord, if their destiny is not in hope, then I pray they will be planted somewhere where they will be able to release their destiny. God, I ask you to bless your people. I ask you to wash over them with your love and with your grace and with your mercy. I pray that you would encourage them, strengthen them, and let them know how much they are loved by you. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.